Welcome to the CCW Safe Podcast with Rob High and Philip Naiman. Hi, guys. Welcome to the CCW Safe Podcast. I'm Rob High in Oklahoma City, joined by my guest uh, today, Ernest Langdon, and his beautiful wife, Amy. We are so pleased to have you, and we still can't get her rid of Phil Naiman. He's in Arizona today, so but we'll 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 put up with him for today. We've got look who else would you have to kick around here, Rob? Come on. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you guys coming on. Um, I am kind of excited to talk to you guys and especially the the direction you guys are going with some of your your uh focus on training. You know, everybody out there wants to be Tommy tactical and you you got to have a basic groundwork before you can actually you know it, it's like everything else we do I don't I don't care if it's hands-on stuff or less lethal stuff or lethal stuff you know we, we have to learn how to crawl before we walk and walk before we run um, and over the last two and a half years the numbers of brand new baby gun owners. Um, and I don't mean anything disrespectful by that. We all started someplace at some time. Um, but there are a lot, a lot of new gun owners in this country that are really looking for good quality instruction and direction on equipment. And, you know, nobody needs to start out with a staccato. You know, there's there's plenty of good stuff out there. You know, our content manager just did an article on uh, a, a strict out of the box Glock versus a full race gun and his split times and things like that. Honest to goodness, were really negligible. Um, you know, when you're, when you're going into a, a race gun, you, you've got, some extra weights and other things in place. So you've got a lot more managed recoil, but as far as, you know, draw stroke coming out, I mean, he was getting like a difference of, you know, 0 0.08 seconds and things like that. Um, so the fundamental things work uh, with basic out-of-the-box guns there's plenty of really good manufacturers out there and things like that um but there's so many guys out there that are trying to press and you know well you need a weapons mounted light you need a dot or you need this or you need that and you really don't um i always if, if i had my way i'd put everybody on a on a wheel gun and start them out like that and and let them learn the very basic fundamental things and then move up and, and keep growing. Um, but I, I, I'm really anxious, Amy, to hear what, what kind of direction that you're looking at. Yeah. So we obviously have a lot of new gun owners out there and Ernest and I sat down, we talked about it a lot when I first started shooting because my journey to firearms and learning to carry was very different than the way that he got into it right? His was very hobby and then, you know, military driven, whereas mine was, well, I kind of want to learn and it was more from a self-defense standpoint. And as we moved 
through our journey together of, you know, restarting LinkedIn Tactical and building it up and transitioning it, one of the gaps that we realized was missing was this place for new firearms owners, people who were like me, they wanted to carry, they wanted to learn how to carry, but they didn't have the background. They didn't have the tactical law enforcement or military background. And, you know, what, what information is out there? Where do we go? And the point that I kept trying to make for Ernest, and it's a joke now, but everything that we looked for and that I would try to find of doing my own research, if I would get frustrated with him and he'd be like, okay, then go figure it out. Everything was tactical. It was very military driven or, you know, law enforcement driven. And it just was not realistic for what I was looking for from a self-defense or personal carry um, journey, if you will. So we, uh, we kind of took that and we did, uh, we did a lot of research and we did a lot of work on putting together a program that could be an educational resource for anybody to meet them where they're at on their fires, firearms journey from those starting and wanting to carry to those, you know, already carrying of just sharing additional information. Um, man, that is so good. Uh, we've got so many people in this industry and, and I'll tell you, um, with decades of law enforcement background, I've been a firearms instructor on the police side for 25 years or so. Um, but law enforcement is so terrible about <coughs> nobody wants to change, you know, well, this is how we've always done it. Um, and it was, that may, really not, that may not be just law enforcement. I think the second amendment community, you know, is when they get their teeth on something, it's a little, they, a little they do. But as I, as I stepped out of, out of the law enforcement realm and became a civilian carrier, you know, obviously you and I talk about it all the time. My mission is vastly different. I don't have an obligation to go out and hunt down anymore. Uh, mine now is it, if I can avoid it, man, I'm avoiding it. I, I'm not getting paid to do that anymore. I I've, I've done my time in the barrel. Um, yeah, I think that's a key piece. Rob, to jump in just on that key point is that, you know, that, that mindset kind of bled into, if you're going to have a firearm, you also a firearm, you have to have that mentality. And it's not to say that everybody actually believes that to a degree, of course they do, but that's what was being portrayed as you must do this. You must be ready for this. And if you're not, then it's not there you know, it's not there, you don't have a right to own a firearm or anything like that. So when we started LTT Discover, it was literally that point of like, it's okay, you can have it just for home defense. Maybe you're not ready to carry. Maybe yes. you just want to have it because it makes you feel better. That's okay. Let's guide you in finding those realms of, and layers of confidence so that you can be, be more comfortable with a firearm, but not be in that like, oh, you're hunting down trouble mentality. So sorry, I interrupted you, but I just wanted no, to no, it's, tagline it, on it's, that point. It's absolutely on point. And, and that's something Phil and I always discuss with, with our members is what is your mission? Um, and my equipment really should be influenced by whatever my mission is. Now, for me, mine can be different. Um, and it's just going to be based on where I'm actually going to. But 
I've, I've got decades of experience in that realm. Um, but I'm not, I'm not throwing on soft body armor to, to go to the mall. I'm not, you know, I don't have a, a Batman belt on. I, you don't I, live I, in Chicago either. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a valid point. But I, I wear, you know, I always, if I'm, if I've got a pistol, I've, I've almost always got some palm OC spray with me. Um, I'd way rather not have to go through the hassle of not having any other option available. And there are OC options out there that, you know, I, I can address this with something in that regard because we're nowhere near a lethal threat. Um, and there's, there's so many people out there that think that that gun, and this is such a horrible mindset that, you know, if I just show it to them, I'll be okay. It'll, it'll scare them. And I'm sorry, I've worked with lots of guys that weren't scared at the fact that I had a gun and I know how to use it. So, um, if, if your thought process is, is I'm going to address this threat and show them I have a firearm that'll, that'll solve it. Um, you're going to get killed with your own gun. <laughs> you know, the, the issue with that, Rob, is you're thinking rationally, or you shouldn't be branching. We've touched that about a thousand times, but you're thinking that somebody should be afraid of it. But the person you're dialoguing with at that point in time is a criminal. If they were thinking rational, they wouldn't be criminals. You know, yeah. um, that's that's their mindset is completely different. And so you can't, you know, you can't negotiate with a tiger, right? Or you can't feed a crocodile a finger at a time, you know, hoping he eats your whole body last or something like that. It just, it's, it's never, like we've talked about before, brandishing is almost always not the answer. And it won't get the desired effect you think it would have anyway. Um, the other, the other end of that is whether it's in, in the military side or the law enforcement side or the civilian side, we've all seen all those people out there that are self-promoting pompous idiots that even if they do have a skill set, they really kind of make that sour other people, especially new people, um, you know, I've, I've watched a guy that came, you know, he did his time in the military. He didn't, he wasn't just an en enlistee. He was in the teams and, and really special guy, but he just berates just Joe citizen and his wife. And, and these people are just like, that guy's just an absolute, you know, he's just a turd. I never want to be around that guy ever again. And, I'm not training operators. I'm training people that don't know anything about this weapons platform and they're very eager to learn. And actually it's kind of been my experience that they're easier to teach than, than cops. Cause a lot of people coming into that profession think that they have to be aggressive and they have to do this. And, and I got it figured out and they don't, I mean, otherwise I wouldn't have to teach them firearms. Um, what is, what is some of the stuff that, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you guys are very actively plugged in and, and running classes now, or if you're doing online content and that's kind of what I was, I was really interested in. 
Yeah, I do. Um, what do I got? Eight classes on the books this year. Uh, so I don't, I'm not teaching nearly as much as I used to, uh, but I still teach quite a bit. Um, and, and to your point, a lot of guys that come out of the military uh, have a very difficult time transitioning from the way they teach in the military to the way they teach in law enforcement too. I mean, you can get away with saying and acting ways uh, in those career fields uh, and those types of training programs that are just completely unacceptable for the civilian market. And, and I would argue that often um, some of that is not accept, it's not necessary and probably counterproductive in both the law enforcement and the military world as well. If you're trying to teach someone a complex skill, what is a relatively complex skill, shooting a handgun, um, berating them and yelling at them and telling them they suck is not the right direction uh, for skill improvement. Um, so I think that that I would argue that point that the military probably tries to take what they would do in a, you know, a physical training realm or boot camp realm. And it's like, oh, well, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to plug in firearms. It's not it's not the right direction in that in that realm either. Yeah, exactly the same thing in the law enforcement. <clears throat> um, yeah. And we're we're evolving. Um, they're they're making improvements, but you still got guys that that was the program they came up under and they think I still need to come out here and, and just be hard nosed and in somebody's ear. And, um, you know, for somebody that has zero experience with a firearm, I don't have to manufacture stressors for them. It's automatic. They've already, they've already got it. That's they stepped on the line with stresses. And then we increase those by going, now we're going to do it under time. Now we're going to force magazine changes. We're going to, you know, you've got mandatory reloads at, or, or forced malfunctions or whatever, make it work. But it's not done with, you know, because we build in those confidence builder things and those stressors from day one with just the, the change in environment for them, you know, we, we know how to manufacture stress. So when it comes time to, to learn any critical skill, the focus should be on learning the skill. The stressor stuff is already, that we work on that someplace else. Um, so I agree. For a lot of first-time shooters, those, those don't even exist. Like that's not, it's, it's foreign. What's a reload? They don't even know, right? And the chances that they're gonna get in a, in a gunfight that involves a reload is not practical. Right, they're not going to have a two-second draw and a first shot, you know, straight on target. Like, what does that even mean? Right? They're they're still trying to figure out how do I load the ammo and put the magazine in the pistol, yes. and which way does it go? Right. So it's like a lot of that stuff, just from an entry-level standpoint, is not that that language is it has to be thrown out the window to just get people to know and understand. But they they have this fear-driven mindset of wanting it. And so you, you've got to start, you have to just start at the basic simple level um, and to tie into, you know, the training is as, as a company, we're trying to bring together that training full circle, right? We're trying to start it at the entry level shooter through the person carrying that's just home defense, but then also, you know, who are the 
the tactical petties, if you will, and the tactical shooters or the competitive shooters. And, and Ernest, that's obviously his bread and butter where he goes, like have that training and that teaching available to those shooters as well. Yeah. I think one of the things Rob said earlier that uh, I want to touch on is there's a natural stressor, right? And for first time firearm, like you're saying, Amy, that they don't know how to, uh, how to make a reload, reload or load the magazine the first time, and then you're going to talk to them about a tactical reload. But there's enough natural stressors. And when you're dealing with somebody for the first time as an instructor, you know, it's the person to person, it's, it's, it's making everything safe, but getting them in a comfortable mood before the gun ever goes off, that they've handled it, they know what the grip is, they know what, what you've talked about, you've had a long time of explanations before the first percussion cap goes, and uh, all of a sudden there's a bang. So I think that uh, the time that you spend with them and in the manner that you spend with them would reduce all that natural stress, or at least get them comfortable to step up to the line the first time. They're not deathly afraid of it. Yeah, Depend it depends on who they are. I mean, Amy does a really good job of, uh, or has done a really good job, I think, of trying to change the terminology that we use and the way that we teach to certain people because uh, people that are come from the tactical world that that grew up in law enforcement military whatever there's a lot of assumptions of that we use terminology and we say things and we use acronyms and we do all kinds of other stuff and we don't even realize that we're doing it and then we get in front of a brand new shooter and we're you know we're saying all these things that mean absolutely nothing to them. They've never heard this terminology before. We start telling them that they're doing something using some word that we've learned for the last 30 years in our careers. And we're like, well, of course, you know what this means. You understand what I'm talking about because this is a common, this is common knowledge and it's not common knowledge, not even close. And, and Amy has done really a really good job of pointing that out um, and saying, nobody knows what you're talking about. You're saying this word as if it's common knowledge and and they don't know what you're talking about because they didn't come from a tactical background. I don't and think and, that and that's one of the things we've tried to do with the, with LTT Discover and the training courses and everything is try to change that terminology a little bit and come at it from a much simpler standpoint to allow people to understand that have never had any exposure before at all. Plain speak. Um, it's like a princess bride, you know? You keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, what, uh, what, what kind of stuff have you got in the works, Amy, as, as far as for those new shooters? What kind of, what kind of programming have you been, been moving towards? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's not a, a program that's a you know step-by-step -step process here. We'll start you here and lead you through this um, because the one thing that we've learned is that it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And some people are more willing to jump in and be ready and some people are not. So what we've done is we've taken kind of the, the questions that people ask, like why, you know, hey, there's other people like you that think they want a gun and they're not sure where to start. So how do I go about finding the right gun for me? Um, we put together several different video topics. Um, some of them are a little bit longer, but a lot of them are, are fairly short. 
And it walks you through, okay, if you're working on finding the right gun for you, here, go to your local gun store. Here are the questions you can ask. Here's what you can do. If you've got the gun and you're having a hard time marrying the magazine, the ammo, and the gun together, because when you do that, oh, that's scary, it goes bang. You know, here's how you can start with safe, comfortable gun handling just in your home, right? No magazine, no ammo inserted. Um, and and we, we kind of go through each of those steps that it takes people to get started. Um, obviously, we can't hold their hands and get them to the range, right? People have to do that on their own. But we kind of guide them in that process of, uh, of you know, dry fire, handle the gun individually. Um, and a lot of it, and as we've interviewed people and we've talked to people and we've pulled people in, that's, that's kind of how it seems to start for everybody, but it's, they go about it differently. Um, so we're, we put together different videos to try to guide people and help them or give them a tip or, you know, idea to hunt down a resource that could be helpful for them. Um, you know, all the way down to here's CCW laws in your state here, go to this website, see what state you live in, start here. Um, and then, you know, beyond just the firearm, we're, we're also tying fitness and nutrition into it and not at the level of, you know, here's a rigid program that you're going to follow and this is what you're going to do, but, but talking about everything beyond the gun too, right? You can be a fantastic shooter. You can have a, you know, sub one second draw and two shots and 1.7 seconds action. Okay. Yeah, that's great. But if you can't run a block or pick up your kid and run down a block to get behind cover or get away from what's going on in general, then what, you know, what good does your ability to shoot do you? Um, and, you know, really, really gun tactical guys that, well, because I'll shoot you before you can do anything, blah, 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 or, you know, whatever. But the reality is, is there's so much that happens before a first shot should even be fired. And um, tying nutrition and fitness into just being healthy body, healthy mind, being more physically aware, getting your, your phone out of your hand when you're going in and out of the grocery store, right? Like have a flashlight. If it's dark and you've got your kids, don't be on your phone. Get your kids in the car safely. Um, you know, just trying to tie in different layers of, of information all the way across firearms, fitness and nutrition. I think that's a great fit. Um, obviously, you've talked to some of the same guys I've talked to too about that, uh, with that response. But, you know, we have a responsibility for our own care. We are the first responder to whatever happens to us, right? And if you are physically incapable of defending yourself or leaving an area, that leaves like only the use of deadly force to protect you where something else should have been available. And it's our responsibility to, you know, I've had four knee surgeries and a shoulder surgery, so I'm, I'm the walking wounded, but it's our responsibility to maintain ourselves in the best shape possible to protect our loved ones or to evacuate. I mean, maybe it's a fire or it's a car crash and you've got to lift some things and move them. You know, it's more than just the firearm. It's about being a functioning person that can help when help is needed. I would take it even one step further. I mean, there's a lot of people uh, in this industry that, um, you know, they're great shooters and they, you know, spend all the time on the range and they go to all the stuff. But, you know, the number one killer in the United States is still heart disease. 
I mean, it's still, you know, people are dying of heart attacks and because they haven't taken care of themselves and they can't control their eating. And it's like, great, you've got a spectacular draw and you can pull, you know, 15 splits, but you're going to die of a heart attack long before or way more likely that that's going to happen that you're ever going to need to use your firearm to defend yourself. And I, and I think, you know, I'm a gun guy as, as much as a gun guy can be. And I, you know, I, if I leave the house, I'm carrying a gun. Um, half the time I'm carrying a gun when I'm in the house. But, um, you know, a lot of these guys that are like that don't, they're like, oh, that's, here's my, here's my bandaid. I have this, this will take care of me. And that's all I need. And it's like, that's the chances of you really needing that gun are relatively slim. Thank goodness. And obviously things are changing in our country, I believe right now, but relatively slim. But your chances of you dying of a heart attack if you don't take care of yourself are relatively high. Yeah. You know, we, we touched on a little bit of everything. Um, I, I think you have a responsibility to, to be physically fit enough to not just get yourself out of the way, but in the event that we're not at a lethal force kind of thing, I can at least keep you off of me or, or keep you off of me until I've help arrives or whatever. Um, but we press really hard for education for, um, I, you know, I still really press gun retention, holster gun defense, strong gun defense. If you're carrying a gun, you have a great responsibility to make sure that you're carrying that as safely as possible. And I'm telling if I get, if I get shot with your gun because somebody took away, away from me, I'm going to be really angry. <laughs> um, but uh, this, the same goes for understanding, like like Amy was talking about, uh, the the legal system, the the laws that are covering these rights that I have, and there's attacks on these rights. So I want to be as responsible as I possibly can, and eliminate the the silly narrative that's coming from people that are uneducated no we do this and i do it like this and this is how i do this um you know i'm looking at the, the big the big safe sitting behind you and and you don't it's not just a willy-nilly thing you you are responsible and you're securing things and um you know we talk about first aid um, if i'm carrying a firearm i'm carrying at least a tourniquet, a, probably a, a chest seal or two. Um, but I, I do that for me. Um, I, I don't anticipate that I'm going to be victorious on everything that I do. Um, I, I've seen guys that I had a lot of confidence in that didn't win all the time. Um, and we had a, a young officer in Oklahoma city a couple of weeks ago that was, that was shot. Uh, and, and I mean, very aggressively ambushed and, uh, the guy, even as he broke and was moving for cover, the guy is running after him shooting. And as soon as he gets around the car, he's, he's already been shot, but he draws and returns fire and he's, he's engaged. And in the fight chases bad guy away and then you can see in his body cam that he's immediately pulling his tourniquet out. He's, he's self-administering and, and taking care of that. 
Um, but I, I would, I would also preach to people that you're far more likely to roll up on a really significant accident on the way home that requires some type of uh, quick medical intervention than I am to, to be walking into the 7-Eleven and, and watch a, a clerk with a gun in their face. So. Yeah, I think one of the things you're, you're kind of making a point about, Robin, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're trying to tie together of, you know, you've got law enforcement, they've got training, they know how to do all these things, but the, you know, not all civilians do. And so if you're going to carry a firearm, there's layers of responsibility to bring into it, including the medical piece. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. Um, and I don't, I don't mean I'm carrying a backpack full of, full of gear everywhere I go, but those are snacks, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm absolutely minimally prepared all the time. Um, I'll have a flashlight, I'll have OC, I have uh, a compact gun, uh, a spare magazine, and a little bit of, of med gear. And that doesn't take- Yeah, so you certainly fall into that prepared, right? You fall into that prepared category of where it is. And and there's even just the advantage of, and Ernest, Ernest and I talk about this all the time, he laughs at me, the advantages to everybody just having a good flashlight. I used to be like, oh, your flashlight, right? And then the minute he has a good flashlight, you use it once. And I was like, can I have your flashlight? Can I borrow your flashlight? Can I, and he'll, he finally bought my own flashlight. And I'm still like, can I have your flashlight? Um, right, but there, there's power of information of understanding that, you know, there are tools out there that can help you know, help you personally, but they can also be a deterrent if you feel like you're being victimized. Um, you know, Craig Douglas uh, from Chevworks, he does a fantastic job talking about this and his managing unknown contacts portion of a lot of the classes that he does. And, and I really do believe, I've always believed in uh, intuition and awareness levels, but there really is power in awareness and your intuition. And you know, yeah, you can have a firearm, you can talk about it, but sometimes even just a bright flashlight, that'll deter somebody because your, your confidence combined with just shining a flashlight, if you think you see something, will make somebody walk away because you're, you're illuminating and drawing attention to somebody who doesn't want attention drawn to them. Um, so I think there's, you know, there, there's a lot of power in looking at equipment as a whole um, and not just focusing on the firearm and the, the tactics behind being a seasoned firearm owner. That's awesome. You know, I, a little bit earlier, you made a comment about the level of responsibility. And I think that it's important as firearm owners and as trainers, um, people in the industry like Rob, that we leave it at the, that we explain and expect people to rise up to this level of responsibility. <laughs> Because we're in the, well, because I'm in the People's Republic of Occupied California, what we don't want them to do is to legislate it as a requirement, which would be one more impotence to stop people from owning firearms or being able to protect themselves. So, you know, it's almost like a self-policing thing that, hey, here's what we believe as responsible gun owners, you should also be at this level, this level and preach it and teach it like you're doing. But I think we have to shy away from a legislative fix on that because it will be used detrimentally. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. You mean everybody needs a certain level of training before they can purchase a firearm or a certain skill level or That's something. That's what they're doing absolutely. in California. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, and that was, I, I mean, I thought about that many, many years ago and it came up in a conversation with a friend of mine and he said, look, you know, the, first of all, you know, like the argument being, well, you need, you have to take a test to drive a car, right? Um, you know, you have a driver's license, you have to take a test and do that. But the, the two points that he made were, hey, one, you know, driving a car is not a right. It's not a constitutional right. Number two, uh, so you're saying that your grandmother, right, or your, you know, mother that's in their 70s, 80s, 90s, can't, they're not allowed to defend themselves because they can't meet a arbitrary training standard that has been put forward. Um and so, you know, when you start looking at it from that standpoint, I mean, the real purpose is not that you are a tactical gunfighting God is the point is you should, you have the God given inalienable right to defend yourself. Um, and that is, a, you know, one of the big keys there. And you can't just put in there, well, you need this level of skill and this level of training, or you're not, you don't have that right. Yeah, it's a right. Uh, and uh, exactly. one of the sheriffs out here in San Bernardino County, he's retired since, but uh, uh, Gary Penrod, but he knows this is John McMahon, sorry. He was talking about where he understood issuing CCWs because he was one of the few counties in California that actually issued them. You go down and apply to the rules, you got one. Um, he had an 84 year old lady who lived in San Bernardino. Um, write down on her application, her good cause statement was simply, I live in San Bernardino, period. And that's what kind of opened his eyes. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's, it's like South, South Chicago sometimes. Um, but he said, look, the good cause statement, self-defense is a good cause. What is this 84 year old woman supposed to do? She's supposed to go hand to hand to protect her purse or her goods or her livelihood or her body. That's her only choice. Uh, is a firearm. And that's just for an 84 year old, but a, a lot of females or, or other people might be slight of build and not be able to physically defend themselves. What choices are you giving them if you're going to make them run through a, uh, you know, a magpul Costa Ludus course? If they can't finish that, then they can't have a firearm, right? So I think it's just important that we point out that these are the responsibilities and we put it on them to finish that and encourage them to finish that. But like you said, not make it a, a requirement that can restrict people from protecting their lives. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because after Craig's class, Ernest was like, oh, so now we're going to go practice jujitsu? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, well, you won't learn and get better if you don't go to jujitsu. I was like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> right? Because it's just not that is not enjoying to me it was not that it was awful it was brutal and don't get me wrong i love a good horrible you know hard workout but you know what i'm good right. <laughs> so so, there's, there's a layer at which people just don't they also don't want to right so you got to kind of meet them where they're at and, and guide them accordingly my wife came to one of my jujitsu classes and uh after she goes you guys do that on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Well, yep. I want I want Ernest and, and Amy to give me 
the the lowdown. I need to know what I need to be prepped for because I actually see Craig tomorrow for his managing unknown contacts and his ECQC Saturday, Sunday. So what am I getting myself well, into? Well, when he says you need a nut cup, I would highly recommend that you bring that because you will need that. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, physical contact. I would definitely wear a beanie or something along those lines. Your ears are going to hurt. There's going to be a lot of stand-up Greco-Roman stuff. There's going to be close-in pistol shooting. There's going to be uh, fighting for a gun. If you've got a holster, a good holster for a Glock 17, Sims gun, I would bring that because you'll instead of just sticking the thing in your pants, you'll have a holster to stick your stick his Sims gun in. Uh, unless you have your own Sims gun, I mean he'll allow you to use it if it's an actual correct Sims gun. Um, but I mean, I would pre prepare a, a to, box of Kleenex for your tears, yeah. or maybe that was just me. <laughs> um, I personally thought it was one of the best training classes I've ever been to. I mean, it was it. It was a lot of fun for me. Um, I don't think it was as eye-opening for me as it is for a lot of people, but for a lot of people, it's a very eye-opening ex experience because they think, oh, I have a gun, so I'll just shoot you. Um, you know, that doesn't work out that way. And, and Craig does a really good job of pointing that out. Um, I would also say that uh, as an instructor, you will get a lot out of the class because Craig does a phenomenal job of how he structures the program and how he manages time and makes things work and how engaged he is with every single student in the class. Um, it, it's, it's impressive to watch uh, as someone who's been teaching for over 30 years now. It's one of those very, very impressive. Craig, Craig is a, an excellent teacher, uh, an excellent instructor, doesn't just a tremendous job. So I think you'll be, you're going to be very, very and Scott. I and Scott. If he's there. I love Scott. Yeah. Scott's amazing. Yeah. Yep. You're going to enjoy it. You'll have fun. You'll learn a lot. If you like the scrap a little bit, which I was going to say, did you do? have any grappling or martial arts background prior to me or Amy? you? Yes, I have some. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, it, that, and that's very helpful. Uh, but Amy managed to take on a full-size man and beat his ass, take his gun from him and shoot him with it. So and she has no Okay, background. but I also managed to you get my butt cup. kicked by other men. <laughs> I mean, it, she can, it was she can also opening. I deadlift was... double her body weight. So that's a different issue. <laughs> I was, it was mind-blowing, but I took, I had, I took away a lot. I took away a lot of information as a, as a civilian, right? And I, I refer to myself as a civilian, non-military, non-tactical trained, right? No previous training. The managing unknown contacts, I have a plethora of notes that I use today in conversations that I have with people um, and that we have, you know, used and quoted Craig in, in some of the development of Discover because I think it's, it's such good information that everybody should know and everybody should practice. Um, you know, a lot of it is based around awareness and intuition and confidence and just being, you know, being your yourself. And then I think, I think the eye-opening piece of that class for me, you know, as a non-trained person was, hey, look, this can happen, right? And whether people know that it can happen or not, or they've been in a situation where that can happen or not, it's still very eye-opening. 
and and you know I don't ever want to be in that situation so I need to take other steps from awareness and intuition and and readiness to make sure that I can avoid that at all costs um well, and, bonus, and that's, that's where I kind of bring in go ahead well uh, what I was saying is a bonus of that is is having that understanding now having that knowledge of of just how bad that sucks um probably steers your direction a little bit more towards the avoidance thing um you know you'd asked me just a second ago Ernest. I've, I've been involved with the sport of wrestling for more than 50 years um i coached high school wrestling up until about a year and a half ago. Um, I've done martial arts for decades now. So I'm really excited about this opportunity. I, I, I want to see what he's done related to gun things. Uh, there was something I was the, the defensive tactics coordinator for the police department. And uh, I did that for about 13 years. Uh, in 2000 or 2001, we took a thing from the Department of Justice when they were running uh, training for police corps. It was a great program that came in. It just died on the vine. It was terrible that they let that go away. Um, their, it was their defensive tactics, but they called it uh, their, their arrest and control instructor course. Um, the very first thing we did right out of the box physical was laid a gun down on the, on the ground on a pistol and it's Ernest, you get two hands on it. I get two hands on it. Ready, go. Um, absolutely eye-opening, but we've developed an awful lot of stuff as far as drawn gun retention or drawn gun disarming um, that I, I still believe is, has saved officers because of it. So it, there, it, that is, that is an embrace the suck kind of thing that, that a lot of people have never given thought to. So it, it is a big deal. So. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I think you're, you'll really like the program. Craig has put a lot of thought into it. It's very well laid out. Uh, he discusses all of those topics and yes, several of the, uh, evolutions, I believe he calls them, um, start with both of you holding both hands on the gun, uh, or you both have a hand on the gun and then go see how this works out for you. So it's really interesting. And if you've got a wrestling background, you'll, you'll do better than most because there's things that you're going to understand that other people do not, and you'll be able to do quite well, I think. I'm just excited. I, I know a lot of really, really strong, solid instructors, and I don't believe I've had any of them ever say anything other than positive. So, so, I, and again, when I, when I walk in and, and sit under another instructor, uh, I am absolutely there to, to steal. I'm, I'm going to take whatever you got. And if I can, if I can form that and put it into to my programming, guess what? Thanks, Ernest. I appreciate you. Well, there's, there's the other part of this that they're going to 
see Rob come in and sit down, be nice, mild mannered, not know he's got 30 years of judo and wrestling coach behind him until he steps up on the mat. And then he uh, educates them when they try and put hands on him. So there's, there's always that part to look forward to when Rob's on the mat. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be fun. That'll be fun for you for sure. Um, I, I am. Yeah, that's also, so, that also counts as fair warning to everybody else in the class. He's a ringer. Watch out. I think Dave Spalding said it was ILFE in like 2000, early 2000, ILFE National Conference in Ohio. And Dave was running it. And Dave said, and all the guest instructors came in. Um, and uh, he said to the whole class, he said, you need, the whole not the whole class all the instructors that were in the classroom that were going to be teaching he said look you need to understand a good instructor is a good thief if you teach something good here that we like we're going to steal the shit out of it if you got a problem with that you probably shouldn't teach it <laughs> i was like oh that's a good point <laughs> uh yeah we our our one of our co-founders for ccw safe mike darter has he was actually my my first uh judo sensei but he also has just opened up a brand new dojo downtown oklahoma city that is maybe the best club in the southwest um it's got it's loaded with fighters it's got guys that have been olympians it's got guys that have competed at at uh, abu dhabi and and all over the world um, and they officially open in a, a Saturday, I think. Um, so that, that's, that's going to be a nice, nice little benefit to, to working in the downtown area. So I'm going to, I'm going to twist Brian Eastridge's arm a little bit. He, he lives like six blocks away, so he doesn't even have to drive. He can limp home from there. <laughs> <laughs> that's Brian. This is your warning too. <laughs> Um, so what, what is your website again there, Amy? The discover the education staff is lctdiscover.com. Okay. I want to make sure that people are aware of that and they, and they know that they can jump on that. How about the YouTube stuff? It's all on our Langdon Tactical YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and follow it on at Langdon Tactical, it's all there in its own playlist. And there's links on the website too. I mean, okay. If you can't find it from the website, you're not looking very hard. So tell us a little bit more about Langdon Tactical. <laughs> uh, so Langdon Tactical is, uh, I would say a relatively diverse company at this point. Um, Discover being a, a growing part of it, but really, it's almost at this point a way for us to kind of give back to the industry. And it was a, we really needed to, to do that. Uh, we do custom gun work. Uh, we sell custom guns. We bring in guns and do custom gun work. Right now we're working on uh, obviously Berettas, 92s and PX4s. We've done really well with the Beretta 1301 shotgun, um, the 1301 tactical shotgun. We are working on Glocks as well as a broad variety of Glocks. Uh, we have some parts for Glocks that we, uh, the one we're bringing back the striker control device. If you're not familiar with that, but the striker control device is a, a part that we're producing and selling now. Um, we have a new part for the Glock that we'll be launching here relatively soon. We think it's gonna be really popular. 
Uh, we also work on Hellcats as well. We've got uh, both a regular Hellcat and a Hellcat Pro. We're working on those, which is a cool little a concealed carry gun uh, mm-hmm. that we think meets, meets the needs of a lot of people. Um, and then we'll be branching into other stuff very soon as well. That was the question I had. I wanted to, I wanted to know what other pistols you were you were going to start doing your. Well, I'd like we're to really say focused on. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to say it's a secret, but there's been some pictures leaked on Instagram. So um, we will very, I don't know exactly what the timeline is going to be, but very likely we will be launching into working on uh, HKs here very soon, the P30s primarily. So most excellent. Um, The first time you said that out loud, Rob, you should feel special. um that's that's really cool um because i've uh, as i've mentioned off the off the air earlier um brian sold me his beretta and i'm telling you nobody can have it that's my gun i'm not i'm not letting anything so So we're really focused on custom customization right and making the customizations that make sense for shootability and building confidence in the shooter um, versus, you know, being super artistic and, and fancy, if you will. Like right. you guys were talking about martial arts earlier, right? All, all the martial without the arts. And so we're, we're working on that from a brand diversification standpoint of, you know, from new products, um, reinvigorating products that needed to come back, but then also coming up with new ideas and developing new content in, in conjunction with other people. Um, but then also just figuring out how to work on pistols based, you know, highly driven from our customers and, you know, the, the big group of people asking us to keep expanding, but also just learning more and understanding the diversification of shooters and the things that we do, how it helps shooters beginner to seasoned as well. So, uh, obviously you can go as crazy as you want, but if somebody had a defensive pistol, they're going to carry for CCW, they send you their Glock 19, what would you recommend for that? What would you do for that? Well, we, we have a custom work, uh, work order form that they're going to have to fill out. Um, we do uh, custom trigger work on them. So to make it a little bit more manageable on the trigger, we put an apex trigger in there. We don't have to, but we do on all of those. Uh, the apex trigger piece um, makes the trigger a little better. It's not dramatic. We don't we don't change any springs on the Glock, so we're not making it crazy light. We make it more consistent uh, and a, a little bit, may slightly lighter because that's part of the consistency. So um, you could argue that it's kind of like getting a trigger um, on a Glock after you've got you know three or four thousand rounds through it. It's not the same trigger as it was when it was brand new. Um, so we're kind of accelerating that to where now it's the trigger. It's going to be after three or 4,000 rounds, uh, but the apex piece makes it a little bit gentler on your finger, uh, for a lot of people, uh, you know, the Glock's triggers can be rough, uh, as far as how it feels and, and what it does after a long training session. Um, we undercut the trigger guard, uh, and for me on a Glock, that's almost a requirement. I mean, I can shoot a stock Glock, but I don't want to shoot it much because it would just, destroys my mm-hmm. my middle finger i already have a big knot on my middle finger as it is i don't need it to be any worse 
Um, we do laser stippling on the grip, uh, which makes the grip, uh, and we have various patterns for that, depending on how you want it to look and how aggressive you want to be, but it allows you to control the gun better, you know, gives it better texture to the grip. Obviously, we have uh, several different types of uh, night sights uh, to put on the gun that are much better visible sights than the plastic sights that come on the gun. And then um, we have various optic mounting plates if you want to run a red dot on the gun as well. So, and again, obviously, the striker control device being a, a big piece. But there's no lightning cuts in the slides or, or um, uh, you know, chopping of this or no, you know, none of that kind of stuff yet. It's just basic, basic, you know, again, trigger work, reliable trigger work is the big key for us. Um, better sights, better control of the gun with the grip and, you know, those types of things. And how how far back is your backlog? Not too bad. We do, we get things turned out pretty quick. Um, so yeah, we can, we can turn things pretty quick right now. We got, we got, uh, three full-time gunsmiths that that's what they do all day, every day. So nice. the biggest thing with Glocks, I mean, we sell brand new guns. If we could get more of them, we could sell more of them, but uh, yeah. you know, they can be hard to get right now, especially the MLS guns. Yep. We, uh, we have our own range out here. That's actually where I, where I record from. Um, I'm, I'm really anxious to see what, what your, what you're pushing out with with these new new models that you're doing now, I'm I'm really excited to see that. We really need to get you guys down here. Um, we uh, we do affiliate summits every year. Um, this year it was scheduled super late, which is really difficult in this industry. You know, everybody's booked out a year ahead of time. So um, I'd I'd really like to get an invite to you out for, for later. Um, it, yeah, we looked, we looked at this last one and we just, I forget, I forget what happened, but it was literally, I, I'm 90% sure I was teaching a class that weekend. It, it was, it sure was. Um, it, it's just, that's just the nature of this industry. I mean, mm -hmm. guys that are worth their salt are just going to be in demand. So, uh, We've, we've got a, a good turnout coming this year and we will absolutely stay in touch with you guys. We would love to, to host you and, and get you out here to, to come visit. And I obviously have very selfish reasons. I want to, I want to see your, your works. So um, is, is there anything else you guys have coming up? Anything you'd like to, to kind of plug or talk about a little bit? Try not to plug things too much unless it's ready. You know, okay, we, I get that. Uh, Amy's the one that's smart about doing the business stuff and launching things correctly. Uh, and one of the things that we, at this point, pride ourselves on is when we launch something, we're actually ready. Yep. Um, yeah, obviously, we're, we've let the cat out of the bag that the HK stuff is coming, but we want it to, to actually be ready when we say it's ready. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you guys so very much. I appreciate you taking the time to sit in and visit with us. Um, as, as always, for our members, you are always welcome to reach out directly to me at rob at ccwsafe.com. 
Um, we always welcome your questions, concerns, suggestions. Um, the critiques on Phil has slowed down, so I think we got him in line finally, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but Ernest, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Amy, uh, thank you for helping us get this set up and for the direction that you're going. Um, I, I think it's a huge, huge step forward to go out there and, and help these new people in the industry, make sure that they're getting off on the right foot and they're, they're getting safe and reliable, consistent instruction. So that, that's a big- Thank you, we hope it's helpful. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing to, to be jumping into. That's a, that's a great responsibility. I'm glad we've got such good people that are, that are accepting that and doing it. So thank you so much. So um, thank you guys. Uh, tune in, we'll be back with you next week. And we look forward here on the CCW Safe Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. for having us.